Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and this is I Love Basketball. I am joined today by Christian Rivas to talk about the Lakers starting the Western Conference Finals in two days. It's a good time to be a Laker fan, isn't it, Christian? It's an excellent time to be a Lakers fan. I, I mean, this is probably the most invested I've ever been in the Lakers Western Conference Finals series. In 2010, I was 13 years old. I uh, had interest in lots of other things, as people do when they're 13 years old. And um, soccer was at the very top of those things. Basketball was a very distant second. But here we are. I, I got through the worst days as a Lakers fan. And you can argue that some of those worst days were this season from an off-the-court perspective. But here we are. We made it. So... Shout out to us. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good time to remind everyone that Christian became a Laker fan, the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, correct. Um, you, could, you could call it a bandwagon. You could call it incredibly poor timing. Um, but whatever it is, this is really your first Western Conference Finals in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, everybody's a Lakers fan growing mm-hmm. up in Southern California. Like, I, d- I had not met a Clippers fan until I think my senior year of high school, I had somebody in my English class uh, who wasn't even a Clippers fan. He was just a huge Jamal Crawford fan because he was from Seattle. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I enjoyed watching those teams, and I got super excited when they played the Celtics. I remember that series as vividly as anybody, but the year before – when they lost to the Celtics, I was at an uncle's house Mm -hmm. and my Lord, people were like devastated, crying, punching couches. And I was like, I, it's not that serious guys. I, I don't want to see myself during the Western conference finals NBA finals. I, I have turned into my uncles and his siblings. So um, yeah, it's a, very excited very excited to talk basketball with you sabrina especially uh following a night like (laughs) tuesday night yeah so uh in case for some reason you were off the internet on tuesday which you know it's probably a good just healthy decision by you um Mm -hmm. tuesday night on the internet was christmas for lakers fans (laughs) for nuggets fans for raptors fans uh and just the general nba public really uh right the the villain of the 2020 bubble the la clippers uh which first of all the way that they turn themselves into a villain when they should be the plucky underdog is beyond me but yeah villain of the 2020 bubble exited the postseason in calamitous fashion pulling a 3-1 lead to the denver nuggets christian and i sat at this very podcast not five days ago talking about how we were prepped for the clippers in the western conference finals before either of our teams had actually advanced there. And yet here we are, not Lakers Clippers, not Battle of LA, not LeBron James versus Kawhi Leonard. Instead, we get a rematch of 2009, Lakers versus Nuggets. This is gonna be fun. That is gonna be fun. Just take it, take it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, as much of, as much of a non-basketball like, fan as I was, I remember where I was for each of these series. 10 or sorry 11 it would be oh god 11 years ago Ugh. um 11 years ago i was in denver colorado for my cousin's graduation her high school graduation 
And we were all decked out in Lakers gear during that series at a diner. And one of the waitresses there, waitresses there just rolled our eyes at us while she was serving us. And I will never forget that. De- Denver's not known exactly for being a big basketball city, but <laughs> this woman was, and she was very mad that she had to serve us. <laughs> yeah, it's always a good time wearing Lakers gear outside of Los Angeles. Uh, every holiday season, I tend to go to Texas to spend time with my family. That's usually like either Dallas or Houston. And we usually go to a game, you know, a Rockets game or a, a Mavericks game. And all my brother and I do is wear Lakers jerseys, even though they're not playing the Lakers during those games. It's just, you're going to an NBA game. Let's wear an NBA right. jersey and we own Lakers jerseys. <laughs> so, I thought Bravo. it was a, I thought it was fair. I went to a Dallas Memphis game one, it's wearing a Pau Gasol jersey, which like was close enough, you know? Um, but yeah. I concur. You don't need a reason to wear a Pau Gasol jersey. No, He's the most wholesome human being in the He's world. He's a prince. So, Pau Gasol. Um, <laughs> But I am, I did not expect this. And I think everybody I had talked to throughout the week, maybe even in our group Slack, I am not of the belief that the NBA is rigged. I am not one of those like galaxy brain conspiracy theorists. But it's something told me like, there's no way this is an end in Lakers Clippers because the NBA has so much to gain from a double LA series from like, a freeway series in the NBA for the first time in history. Like, his, historic stuff on the line. Clippers are all 3-1. I did not see it. No, no scenario of the season ended without the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals for me. Not even the Lakers not in the Western Conference Finals. I fully expected the Clippers to be in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, and you were not alone. Uh, every single ESPN panelist picked both LA teams to advance to the conference finals. Uh, we've obviously seen the litany of videos being pulled up from the preseason, which said that the Clippers had the best shot of winning the NBA title. They were the odds makers' favorites to advance out of the West. Uh, they boasted the reigning finals MVP, you know, championship winning head coach, last year's top three finisher for defensive player of the year and MVP in Paul George. <laughs> and they just... Screw the pooch there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two, I, it will never be normal to me that the Clippers had two all defensive talents. Like, and Patrick really, Beverly, really who talented. Made the team this year. Yes, correct. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who are arguably two of the most versatile defenders in the NBA, mm-hmm. not showing up on either end of the floor. What the hell is that? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Lakers' primary rivals are Celtics, and we take a great deal of pleasure out of watching the Celtics suffer. So yesterday already started off on a good note, watching the Celtics <laughs> lose in overtime to the right. Miami Heat. However, this year has given real rise, you know, to my Clippers' distaste because they carried themselves like a favorite. They carried themselves as the team that was going to be the best team in L.A., know how you're supposed to be the best team in LA? You got to get to the conference finals. <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah. I I mean, Pat Bev said that last season. He was right. He, the, the Clippers were the best team in LA for no other reason than everything went wrong for the Lakers that could have, like, starting from the moment after they signed LeBron James. <laughs> like, that's usually when – organizations start trending upwards that is when the lakers took a 
massive nosedive. We, we always have to follow um, our own path here in Los Angeles. <laughs> Got to create our own our but, own narrative now. <laughs> but the the funny thing about like Pat Bev in particular, and I think he kind of just personifies this iteration of the Clippers, is that comment he made to Steph Curry. I think it was just last season about the next five years being his. Patrick Beverly talking to one of the greatest point guards of all time, arguably a top three point guard all time. Like, what are we doing here? What has Pat Bev done? I'll tell you what Pat Bev has done. Pat Bev has uh, chided Damian Lillard for missing two free throws in a seating game. Um, Proceeded to get (laughs) ripped on Twitter, Instagram, every social media platform that will allow for it. Uh, he was receiving invites to Cancun from CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, wow, the Blazers is having a great time uh, at the Clippers' expense. Yes. I, I never expected well, okay. present NBA players to be enjoying it this much. And, like, especially if you're a team that's already been eliminated. It's not exactly like you have a great leg yeah. to stand on. You know, like, they lost to the Lakers. They lost handily to the Lakers. They lost to the Clippers in that game. That's why the Clippers had such a good time at their expense. And yet, all yeah. of the public sentiment is on the Dame CJ side because they were freaking hilarious. <laughs> There's layers to this. I mean, it starts at the fan level, and you can you talk about like the starting with Paul George and the way that ended with Indiana and OKC and how much Lakers fans hate him for mm-hmm. passing on them twice, twice, not just once, two times to sign with his hometown favorite Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, you also have that same sentiment towards Kawhi Leonard. You have the whole Pat Bev, Marcus Morris stuff because they are two of the most, um, like expressive, I'll use the word, uh, players in the NBA. Th- there is there is several layers to this at the fan level, at the player level, at the uh, it, it's it's wonderful. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I'm a little sad it's over. Like I I don't know about you, but I was really looking forward to seeing the Lakers and Clippers play in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, absolutely. Like like I said earlier, I've never really felt any sort of enmity towards the Clippers. They've always kind of been like my second favorite team. You know, they're the mm-hmm. they're just the little brother to the Lakers. I, I've never been a big Chris Paul fan, so I had a hard time rooting for those teams. But Blake Griffin <laughs> was one of my guys, you know. Uh, loved that 2006 team that the Lakers were, you know, on track to play in the playoffs, that Elton Brand, Sam Cassell team. That was a great time. Uh, Clippers have generally been fun. I loved, loved last year's Clippers team, even as they were caught in the Lakers. You know, that uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Landry Shamit three-pointer to beat the Golden State Warriors, that was a grand yeah. old time. But this year's Clippers team was a pain in the butt. And yeah. it almost feels fair that they got their comeuppance in this way, you know, after Marcus Morris was, like, taunting Paul Millsap during Game 5. And uh, Pat Bev was saying that, you know, Jokic flails and causes refs to, you know – focus in to make sure that they're making the right calls. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't talk that much when you haven't won. You really can't. Um, even LeBron James doesn't talk that much. And LeBron James has won once or twice or three times, you know. Uh, yeah. There is a certain decorum you have to carry yourself with. And the Clippers did not do that. 
And as disappointed as I am that we are not going to get this, you know, seemingly predestined Battle of LA Conference Finals, this is an infinitely funnier outcome. <laughs> just oh, so absolutely. much funnier. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I think Lakers Twitter would have gone, gone in on the Clippers for going seven anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but them being eliminated was just so much better. And it's still going on. Like, it's still as going we're on. recording this podcast, podcast the, the jokes are still flying. Like, I, I think that's incredible. Um, but, like, the Clippers didn't not make the Western Conference Finals just because they were arrogant. I think that played a very large role, not just, you know, within the way they carried themselves on the court, but I think, you know, Chris Haynes had a report on Wednesday about the I, – I wouldn't go as far as to say – locker room problems or though although there have been reports of you know personalities clashing in that locker room uh but it, it, it just seems they were never on the same page mm -hmm. and i know the one thing at the start of the postseason that fans were kind of irritated about with the lakers was okay you guys have the greatest chemistry in the whole entire world like let, let's just say you have the greatest team chemistry of any team that's ever played you still can't make three pointers the difference between the lakers and the clippers is the Lakers had that chemistry and they figured out more or less their three-point shooting problem and all the problems they had on the court. The Clippers kind of worked backwards. I think they just thought they were too talented to fail and they were wrong. Like, all the problems that the Lakers don't have, the Clippers had and then, then some. Yeah, and I also think that a big source of the Clippers' problems was the Denver Nuggets. So let's <laughs> take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the actual opponent of the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. All right. So Denver, um, if I were to have listed, you know, the most likely potential opponents for the Lakers in a conference finals, obviously at the start of the season, the Clippers would have been number one. Houston would have been right there uh, throughout the course of the season. Like, Dallas made a compelling case. Utah has been really good the last few seasons, adding Bogdanovich, obviously. Portland made the conference finals last year. Denver, not really on my radar, I got to tell you. The Lakers played some fun yeah. games against the Nuggets over the course of the season. Uh, there was that memorable one in the seeding games where Kyle Kuzma hit the game winner uh, over, was it the outstretched arms of Bull Bull? It was fun. Yeah. It was a good time. Very long arms, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and they had a really tough win in Denver. Uh, I believe that was the night that you and I were at the Kings game. Uh, it was. <laughs> to, uh, you go know, to overtime. Go to overtime, right? They had a, a tough win back in November. Uh, it was like a Denver-Utah back-to-back. That was sort of like the time where we started to realize, wow, maybe the Lakers are actually pretty good if they can go in and you know, win these two games at altitude. But up until maybe halfway through the third quarter of game seven, I had not considered the Nuggets as a potential conference finals opponent. And that clearly a mistake on my part because the Nuggets are they're pretty awesome. Um, they've got Nikola Jokic, newly named All-NBA second team, which I forgot to start the show, but yeah, congratulating Anthony Davis and LeBron James for getting first team All-NBA. My bad. Uh, you know, when things are expected, you just like forget to bring them up in conversation. Priorities. Uh, but you've got Nikola Jokic who can make seemingly every pass ever conceived to mankind and some that you would never even think of. Like, the gall at the end of the game against the Clippers to throw an overhead pass behind his back to Jamal Murray, 
I, I think uh, Ricky O'Donnell wrote about it in SB Nation. It's just the most disrespectful pass you'll ever see in competitive basketball. Coley uh, Okich is outstanding. Jamal Murray has been outstanding throughout the postseason. Uh, he put up, what, 50, 42, and 50 against Utah to bring them back from 3-1 against the Jazz. And then he put up 40 in Game 7 against the Clippers, single-handedly outscoring Jamal Murray. I'm sorry, single-handedly outscoring Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So they got some good players. Um, and this is an offense unlike anything the Lakers have faced so far because we're going from a team that, like, fastidiously does not do anything on offense. They just drive, kick, drive, kick. And Denver is all about that motion. They're moving around at all times. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers have in store. Yeah, I – so the – the other reason I wasn't super confident that the Nuggets were going to make the Western Conference Finals, um, in our, like, preseason previews about teams, I listed the Nuggets as one of the teams I was worried about because of their size compared to the Lakers. Like, they're one of the teams I thought could match up well uh, in terms of size because, obviously, they had uh, Jokic, Millsap, Grant, and Plumlee. And those, those things are, you know, still true. The difference is, or the reason I didn't think they were going to make the Western Conference Finals is they kind of had Clippers syndrome for a little bit where it just seemed like with the core they had, they just couldn't get over the hum. And I think Nuggets fans to an extent were thinking, well, I mean, this was fun, but we've seen this before. The Western Conference exit is, is good for me. I think the in game six is when I started thinking these nuggets, this nuggets team is different. I think they have the opportunity to go the distance. Now, again, I want to note that I did not expect them to lose game seven. I thought something was going to, I thought Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were going to show up uh, and play a full 48 minutes of good basketball because that was really the problem for the Clippers being good and and doc making some questionable decisions with his rotations is they didn't play a good full 48 ball or won several games by 15 points or more um but it's like you said it's not just the clippers short so that the nuggets are very talented basketball um nikola Jokic is doing things and has been doing things that are just absurd some of the shots he takes are like trick shots and horse games. And then jump in borderline unstoppable. Like we saw what he was capable of offense in those Donovan Mitchell versus Jamal Murray games. Um, but it seems like he's just, he, it, that's just who he is now. It's not even just bubble Jamal Murray. It's just Jamal Murray. So between those two guys, I think, the Nuggets can give them the fits. What I'm really interested to see is if the shooting they showed in game seven is for real or if it was just their night, like if it was destiny for them. Yeah, that's an interesting question because uh, the Clippers, I mean, I I don't think they were playing good defense on them altogether, yeah. but the, the basis of their strategy seemed to be we're going to double Jokic, we're going to double Murray, we're going to try to get the ball out of their hands and then force the other guys to beat us. Um, they weren't sending good enough doubles at Jokic to prevent him from getting the vision to, you know, hit the cutters or hit the open three-point shooters and 
he was just hitting guys who had no reason to be open, but were because of his passing vision. Uh, so, you know, you, you live and die by like Paul Millsap and Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant hitting threes, right? Like that's, that's an outcome that I'm sure the Lakers would find acceptable on a defensive possession, similar to like Russell Westbrook ending up with a ball in his hands, shooting an open. Yeah. Uh, but even though Houston and Denver are so different in terms of their offensive style, I do think that the defensive like game plan that the Lakers put together against Houston, like the way they had to be on a string and when they were constantly in rotation is going to serve them well when they play the Nuggets, because the Nuggets are going to constantly put you in rotation too, just in very different ways, right? They're going to put you in rotation, not because they're going to drive and giggle over the place, but because Jamal and Jokic are going to get in these two-man games and everyone's going to be moving around and you have to know exactly where your other team defenders are so that you are capable of closing down every single option. Um, What I am interested in, uh, you talked, I mean, media talked with Frank Vogel earlier today and he said that this is probably a series where the Lakers are going to go back to their original lineups. They're not going to play like they did against Houston, which, yeah, sure, that makes sense. I, I wouldn't want Markeith Morris guarding Nikola Jokic. That's, uh, <laughs> that's not an ideal outcome. I mean, his brother was not capable of doing it. Uh, so just that's the closest uh, base of comparison I have to know that Markeith would not <laughs> right. be able to. But I also don't think that this is a great series for JaVale McGee. Um, post-defense, not exactly JaVale's strong suit. He's nice and athletic, you know, and can provide rim deterrence for like high flyers, but Nikola Jokic is very ground bound. He's not, uh, I'm not going to say he's not athletic because he does impressive things with his feet, but he's not a high flyer. Uh, he does not dunk. I think he's the only seven footer I can think of in the league that does not dunk. <laughs> uh, so this feels more like a Dwight Howard series to me. Um, yeah. And we haven't seen Dwight, I don't believe since game one of the Houston series. And even then it was very limited minutes. Uh, but Dwight played some very good minutes for the Lakers against Denver this season. Uh, we were talking about that February overtime game that the Lakers played against Denver. They put Dwight Howard into the starting group to start the second half of that game because JaVale wasn't getting it done. And this is the kind of matchup that Dwight excels in, right? Big physical centers, not ones who are going to like really beat you in space, um, which, I mean, Jokic can shoot, but he's not going to like blow right. by you. You know, that's not his game. So I'm interested to see if, you know, they kept Dwight Howard basically on ice for two weeks. Uh, Everyone said how great it was that JaVale and Dwight were so active and engaged on the bench and encouraging their teammates. There's a very big difference between being a peak bench performer and then coming on and defending Nikola Jokic. (laughs) So that's the main thing that I'm looking forward to in this series is how well can the Lakers defend Jokic one-on-one? Because I think that's the key to stopping this offense. Yeah, and it's not that it, it's not like the Lakers don't have the defensive talent in the front court mm-hmm. to like not do that. I mean, they have Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard, one that should have been a defensive player of the year, and the other that you know is a multiple time defensive player of the year. I picked it, last series. I picked Dwight to be an X factor for narrative reasons. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that Dwight Howard was going to have a big game against the Rockets because of how his tenure went there and you know the possibility of Superman coming and you know dominating the boards against the Rockets against his former teammates and Mike D'Antoni yeah 
Right. As we saw in game one, that was not the case. Couldn't have been further from the case. Uh, Dwight Howard as an X factor, I think, is more of a must in this series as opposed to a hope. Like, Dwight Howard's strengths, even at this stage of his career, are what you alluded to is keeping these big and strong centers at bay with his size. Because I think the measurements, um, the, the way the NBA changed the way it measured these players and the way it's listed on the website, I think Dwight lost an inch this past <laughs> summer. But like, even in spite of that, he's a really, really strong player. Like, he's somebody you want playing post-defense for your team. And if Frank Vogel decided to keep him in the starting lineup full-time after sending him that entire second-round series, I think he can be a big difference. Like, the same way we've seen playoff LeBron and playoff Rondo, Dwight Howard's also a multiple-time All-Star. Now, does that mean feed it to Dwight Howard in the post and let him dominate like he did with the Orlando Magic? No. But I do think he his game has another level to go. He's well-rested, and I hope we see that against the Nuggets. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think um, <clears throat> about how this Lakers roster was put together because, I mean, Dwight Howard was not the first choice backup center, obviously. DeMarcus Cousins was right. hot, and he suffered a leg injury. I've, I've forgotten the order of events. I think it was an ACL tear this past summer that forced them to sign Dwight Howard uh, in his stead. Or actually, not technically in his stead, then we ended up waiting DeMarcus to sign Dion Beck later, but that's, that's yeah. entirely a different <laughs> chain of events. But every single person on this Lakers roster has seemed to fulfill some role, you know, like whether it's as large of a role as they intended or not. I mean, obviously Jared Dudley, I'm assuming, had more on his mind than just mentoring Kyle Kuzma when he signed with the Lakers, but he's done very well at that. Uh, and, you know, obviously the, the Rocket series was not a Dwight series. It, uh, you know, there's a way of looking at it where you think like Dwight can describe every offense rebound, like you said, and he just gets called for offensive fouls all the time. So it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but Denver is a much bigger team. And uh, I don't want the Lakers to like get comfortable, you know, because physically they match up better with the Nuggets than they did on paper, you know, against the Rockets because of the weird challenges the Rockets, you know, pose to other teams. But I don't think that they should go altogether away from small ball either because, like you mentioned, Anthony mm -hmm. Davis should have been defensive player of the year. Uh, that guy can guard Nikola Jokic too. <laughs> and what's cool about right. Davis is you put Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic in a two-man game and then you switch Davis on a Murray. That's also a matchup I think that works very well in the Lakers' favor. And that's something that the Clippers did not have. That's something that the Jazz did not have. All due respect to Rudy Gobert. Uh, but that's – that's a trump card that the Lakers have. And uh, Anthony Davis was incredible against the Rockets. He was incredible against the Blazers. Uh, when you are a superstar, a first-team All-NBA player, you don't get to take series off. <laughs> and he's going to have to be incredible again in this one because defending Jokic and Murray, like he's, I think he's the one guy who can do both. Maybe LeBron. Um, probably LeBron. You know, I'm, I might be underrating LeBron, but just Anthony Davis is just – Yeah. What he does defensively, I don't Very think anybody good. on the Lakers can match you. <laughs> right. I think I think even fewer players in the NBA can, can do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, and LeBron James is another one. You look at the, the Nuggets roster and say, there are a few guys that can throw at him and slow him down a bit. But on the, like, 
the same argument you use for the Nuggets, you can use for LeBron James. Like, LeBron James is going to have a favorable switch whenever he gets it. And it's like the Nuggets go super big with Paul Millsap and Grant. Like, the idea of LeBron James getting a switch on Michael Porter Jr., because I don't imagine Michael Porter Jr. is going to start on no, LeBron no. James. If it, if Mike Malone did that, he might as well hand him the series, hand the Lakers the series. Um, but LeBron James, I think, will need to be incredible. I think Anthony Davis will need to be incredible. But the good news is, and I, I want to go back to Anthony Davis for a second, the thing that I've been most encouraged about with Anthony Davis is how well he's adjusted in both of these series, like particularly the Rocket series. After game one, I wasn't sure that Anthony Davis was going to be able to get out of whatever funk he is with P.J. Tucker guarding him. I thought P.J. Tucker was fully in his head and that he was just going to struggle against small guys. From game two on, the the Rockets had no answer for him because of either an adjustment Frank Vogel made or an adjustment Anthony Davis made mentally after watching film. It, it just seems like he's willing to do whatever he has to do to help the Lakers win, which I know was the big concern going into the season and especially going into the Rocket series about his willingness to play the center position Obviously, he did that, and he thrived in that position. If he needs to do it again, I'm sure he'll be able to and, and, and excel in it. So as, as much respect as I think the Nuggets deserve for everything they've done in the past two rounds, becoming the first team in NBA history to come back from a 3-1 deficit twice is incredible. That being said, I think having to do that twice is a heavy toll on players. I also think the Lakers have just shown they're the better team this season. They have the experience on their side. I think they have, you know, two of the three most talented players on the court. And um, for that reason, I think Lakers fans should feel confident going into this this series. Not overconfident, but confident for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just such a different series than we saw against Houston, right? Like you said, um, uh, against Houston, LeBron James could pretty much get a favorable switch whenever he wanted. Like, you get Covington off of him, you get – and, like, he could take anybody. He could even take Covington. Like, that's not an issue. Uh, yeah. I do think that these, like, bigger physical defenders sometimes pose an issue for LeBron. Like, Jeremy Grant obviously caused Kawhi Leonard some problems. Um, and – with all due respect to LeBron, I think that's a fair base of comparison. Um, mm-hmm. Gary Harris has been excellent since coming back in that Utah series. Uh, Paul Millsap's also just a big dude who traditionally has done terribly against LeBron, just objectively terribly. But those were in like the Atlanta Hawks days, and I hesitate to apply like the same, you know, uh, Paul Millsap can't guard LeBron in Atlanta versus Cleveland versus Paul Millsap can't guard LeBron now. Uh, you know, that being said, I I also don't think it's a great matchup for Denver, but like it's not terrible because he's still a big physical dude who can, you know, put a body on LeBron. Yeah. And like that's already three more guys than the Rockets had on their entire roster. And we're not even counting the bench where like Torrey Craig comes off and does some nice things on defense. And uh, <clears throat> Michael Porter Jr., you at least have to box out. You know, no one on the Rockets demands that you box them out. Michael Porter Jr. will get rebounds. Like that's a thing that yeah. 
the Clippers apparently did not account for him, but I hope the Lakers do. Uh, so there's, <laughs> you know, very different challenges that the Nuggets pose than the Rockets did. It's, it's going to be something of a culture shock. I think, you know, the Lakers going from that Houston team to this Denver team, especially with such a long layoff. And we've seen how they looked a little flat coming off of that long layoff against Portland, then another long layoff against Houston, lost both of those game ones. They're in that same situation again. They were once again the last team to learn their opponent in this round. Uh, to be fair, there were only two series, but they were the last team to learn their opponent in this round as they were in the previous two. So that whole rust versus rest thing comes up again. Uh, and rust has not been winning for the Lakers. So uh, I'm interested to see what sort of mindset they can come out with to kind of avoid that we're going to give away game one and then come back system that they've been doing, which has been working, sure. Yeah. But, you know, nobody wants to see that again. I have excellent news, Sabrina. Breaking news from Lakers practice on Wednesday. Frank was asked what he could do to avoid another, like, game one loss in the playoffs. And he said, we're doing everything we can not to lose in game one. So <laughs> I have, I can confirm that the Lakers are not going to try to lose game one. They are actively trying to win game one. Oh, so well. there's your report from practice on Wednesday. I mean, on, on that note, like, I don't even know what else we have to say. The Lakers <laughs> are going to try to win game one. Uh, that's, that's great news. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, we'll have we'll have plenty more to talk about on Denver, like on the show tomorrow. But just the last thing I wanted to close with was that 20, 2009 Denver Lakers Western Conference Finals. Uh, I believe that is my favorite series of the 2008-2010 Kobe Powell run. Uh, it was just the perfect encapsulation of the Lakers meeting an opponent who posed some very real challenges to them. Like Carmelo Anthony was a bear to guard. Uh, they were super smart. Like with Chauncey Billups, they read the Lakers' actions. They defended them very well. And the Lakers figured them out over the course of the series, and they made really critical defensive plays at the end. Those are the series where Trevor Reza deflected – or, I mean, stole those inbound passes twice in games one and game three. Uh, really, like, one of my favorite series of all time. I loved watching Kobe play the Nuggets. It was maybe my favorite opponent of his to watch. Uh, and it's, it's so strange to me to think that, like, we were – planning for this, you know, Lakers Clippers thing. And now we get Lakers Nuggets, which in a way like incites this level of nostalgia for me, you know, yeah. uh, but that, that was a great series. Uh, one of those were like, you sort of like felt the championship team growing into itself. And hopefully this one has similar vibes because that team had also not won a title when they play Denver. And this one has not won a title. <laughs> <laughs> I am crossing my fingers. This isn't, audio platform but believe me my fingers are crossed yeah all right well you'll be listening to this on thursday maybe wednesday so we still have one more day until the lakers begin the western conference finals uh i'm i'm not as nervous as i thought i was going to be like i have been so nervous during every game thus far maybe because the games haven't started yet like the nerves haven't kicked in but I don't want to underestimate the Nuggets. I've just watched the Nuggets very intently for the last seven games do some ridiculously cool things. And it's going to suck to root against them. I got to tell you, this is a fun team to watch. <laughs> yeah. Job's not done. <laughs> Job is not done. And I will hold on giving predictions, but I, I will say that I see the Lakers coming out of this series. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully they do. And hopefully the next time you and I talk, uh, we're celebrating like we were against that uh, Rockets game four. So. How many games will have passed since then? Three, right? Yeah. yeah. We might, or it could be a post-game game four. I don't know. I'm bad at math. So. <laughs> also, our <laughs> schedule change. So we'll figure it out. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Make sure you are subscribed to our show, which has Lakers talk every day of the week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And go Lakers!